Hi everyone, Lucy Kippist here. I'm the editor of Flying Solo and the host of this podcast where we peek inside the everyday lives of our inspiring small business community. This episode is brought to you by our Flying Solo Business Class Membership. It's your annual pass to some great deals, discounts, tips and wisdom for building the business of your dreams. Plus, you get to win the opportunity to be a guest on this podcast, all for just $165. Head to our website for details. Jodie DeVries and Emma Scott describe themselves as serial entrepreneurs who have taken everything they've learnt building multi-million dollar businesses to help other women take their brand and business to the next level. They join our Flying Solo podcast today to share some of their insights and also to shed some light on the real impact that brand building can have on the lasting success of your small business. Jodie and Emma, welcome to Flying Solo. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to have you both on the show. So I want to start by talking about your business, The Brand Brigade. When did you start it and why did you just start it as a partnership? So The Brand Brigade is our newest venture. So we've just launched at the beginning of 2020. Interesting time to launch a business. Mm -hmm. Um, But actually, uh, we have been partners in our other business, which is Tiny Hunter, since 2014. So we have done the partnership for quite a while now and then before that we each were solo business owners running our own agencies so we definitely have known both worlds really well so for us you know partnership is really it's just it's got a great energy if you get it right of course but you know you can really create momentum bounce ideas off each other super motivating I think you can also keep each other in check because you know as entrepreneurs we have a hundred ideas a day but the other person can be like that one's a bit crap. <laughs> so that side of things um, is good as well. But, you know, we can really tag team and build each other up, which is great. And, you know, I think sometimes business can be lonely and it can be a bit exhausting. So that really does give you a bit of a boost. So that's what we love about it. Yeah, I'm the one that tends to have that, you know, 100 ideas a day. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that does, right? Jodie's the one that keeps me in check. Because <laughs> um, I was thinking you guys must like each other a lot to have been in business together that long. Are you friends outside of work too? Or is that not a question to ask on a podcast? So we've known each other for a really, really, really long time as Emma likes to point out to me because um I was actually her lecturer in design college many many years ago she likes to make me sound very old um so yeah we're definitely firm friends yeah, we, we do actually choose to hang out together uh when we're not working so that's a good sign that is true testament to your success then very good so your business now is basically about brand building and the question I had that first came to my mind when I was thinking about talking to you guys is if we know that we're great at what we do whether we're running a product whether we're making a product or selling a service how crucial is brand building to the success of our enterprise? Yeah, Lucy, it's a really good question and it's funny you should ask because actually most of the time when clients come to us in terms of you know advice around building their brand they've got a good product or service. You know, it's kind of almost a given that you're going to have a good product or service to go into business. Um, And they're very gung-ho in the beginning because they believe, you know, they've got something that everyone's going to want to love and um, buy. And it's not till they've kind of been working, you know, for a couple of years that they go, hmm, 
this is a little bit tricky. How come I still don't have enough sales? And the reason is because people don't realise that you actually have to be brand and marketing led. Yes. (laughs) It's not about being service led. It's about brand and marketing led. You have to become experts at building your brand and building out your marketing or you work with experts who can help you do that. So why, why is this the case? Because you need to be able to appeal to your audience. You need to make sure that your product or your service is meaningful in the eyes of your audience and it's tapping into a real need or a real desire or a real want from your, from your audience. And secondly, you also need to be able to get in front of your audience in the right way at the right time so it's very easy for them to buy or engage with you. Yeah, that's such a good point. I guess otherwise, you know, if you're not marketing it, then you're not selling it. Otherwise, you're just making a great thing and you're not necessarily getting any customers. That's right. And like we'll even say to people when they come to us, unless you're actually willing to put in that framework and build that brand and then invest and focus on marketing, there's no point building a business because you're just going to create this incredible asset these great products or this great service and you're not going to be able to get it out and, and you know, create a sustainable business for the future. Absolutely. And look, I know that marketing is something that our community as a whole struggles with or they have an interest in. It's one of our most popular topics in terms of articles that we do and podcasts that we do. Hmm. So I'm wondering, to give us a bit of insight, how, what does it look like when we do build a brand that works for us? Yeah. So <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I mean, in terms of building a great brand and it's it's good that you bring up the marketing side of things because I think people love talking about marketing and focusing on the marketing side of things but marketing really is amplifying your message whereas branding is making sure that you're communicating the right messages in the first place and a lot of people skip that really critical first step and jump to that second step and it's never going to be as effective because they haven't got the messages right. So it's going to take them more time and more money. Mm. So definitely people need to sort of pause and get the right ingredients for their their brand first. So, you know, things like your purpose, like why you're doing what you're doing. You know, people have so many choices now. They can choose who they're engaging with. So you need to connect on that deeper level, which is where that big purpose comes in. You know, you need to make sure that you're solving a real problem for a a really defined audience. You know, you don't want to be, you know, try and be everything to everyone because you'll basically be nothing to no one. You need to be really clear about who you're talking to. And, And then it's about differentiation. So thinking about why they're picking you over someone else. And that's really important as well. Yeah, they're great because I was the, the question I was going to ask you what what were the essential ingredients of a great brand? So they're two great things. Is there anything else that really distinguishes a great brand from an average one? Uh, well, yeah, I think it's definitely those things. So the differentiation, um, you know, being really clear on your audience, your purpose, um, you know, being really clear on your values. So the way that your you know your brand you know behaves. Um, having all those fundamentals right. But then, of course, you need to also bring that to life through all, all your touch points, so how you look, how you sound, um, how people are engaging with you and the customer experience. Mm-hmm. So I think the great brands are the ones that, that, that take the time for that first step, that have that really, really clear um, foundation before they move into the marketing side of the things. So the other thing that I just wanted to add in there, Lucy, was um, something that we like to talk about a lot is 
merging the logic with the magic. Mm. So the logic is everything that Jody just talked to then in terms of getting that framework right and that structure right for your brand and making sure you're appealing to the audience and you're differentiated. But then when you are actually bringing your brand to life, you want to do it with a pizzazz. You want to do it with some magic. You want to make sure that, you know, in this very, very busy world that we all live in, that you're actually engaging and appealing or entertaining or whatever your brand personality is, that you're you're capturing people's hearts and minds. It's not just about that, you know, rational thinking. That's a real that's a really good point. Especially at the moment, you know, we're talking now at the end of nearly the end of 2020. And I think that's so true in terms of people don't necessarily want to be spoken to by someone that lacks that motivation because we're all sort of looking for the the magic ingredient at the moment just to keep us going, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're right. And also the other thing about the climate that we operate in is that you know, branding has changed a lot in the in the last five, ten years in that um, the customer now has the power, you know, just with this the digital age and globalisation, people decide when, how, why, um, they're going to engage with a brand. They're really discerning. Unless you're able to capture their imagination, then you're just going to become noise for them. Yeah, so true. And do you think that those ingredients um, differ if we're running a product or a service? The actual, like the fundamentals are the same regardless. So the framework is the same. I think the real difference comes in in terms of just how you're communicating that message. So obviously if you've got a product on a supermarket shelf, you know, it needs to really hit those messages on the packaging or you won't even get a chance for someone to try you. Whereas with a service, you know, you're obviously communicating in different ways, whether it's your website or you might be out doing speaking events and those sorts of things. So, you know, the comms and the channels might change, but the actual framework Mm -hmm. is the same. So most of our flying solo community have been in business sort of between like one and five years. Can our brands evolve much over that time? And how do we need to be mindful of communicating that to our clients and our potential clients? Yeah, no, absolutely you can. Um, We like to look at branding as being, you know, customer-centric and making sure you're always focused on what your customers need, what they want, what their purchasing behaviour is. And if customers shift, you want to shift with them. And so that does mean that you have to be nimble, and that you have to um, be okay with shifting your brand accordingly. Uh, I like to think of a brand as a living and breathing entity. <laughs> and so with that, you know, it, it does mould and it does flex. And so you want to be able to be able to shift when, whenever you need to. The other thing is um, another reason as to why you might want to change direction uh, or shift slightly is if you get a competitor coming into your market that has a lot more money than you and is doing the same kind of thing and it's going to be very hard to compete with them, you always want to be looking for the white space. Uh, you want to be looking for your points of difference so that you can have a meaningful conversation with your clients. So I remember watching recently this great play, I'm really into the theatre, um, called the Lehman Brothers Trilogy mm. and it was from uh, London Theatre and it was through National Theatre Live, so I got to watch it while I was in Sydney. But it was the story of the Lehman Brothers and how, from when they started, when they first moved to America, to, to owning one of the biggest banks in New York. And they went through probably 
six iterations of their business over their life over that one lifetime of these three brothers they started out as um tailors you know making cotton shirts for mm. clients in in um in south in in america i think in mississippi or alabama and they were very very good at at watching what was happening out in the marketplace and what customers wanted and then shifting their business accordingly. And so I think this is how we need to be. Uh, you need to be on the pulse of what's happening with your customers and evolve accordingly. Mm, I love that example. That play sounds excellent. Check that one out. Um, yeah. One of the really standout things to me about reading about your business was that this business is a second business and the first business you had, you did a lot of work with big businesses. And part of the work that you want to do now is distilling those lessons and insights from them to small business owners, which is an awesome idea. What do you think are the key elements there in terms of lessons from that bigger scale business that can be diluted to our small business community? Obviously, there's a lot. I don't expect you to tell us them all, but what are sort of some main main things that stand out things? I, I think one of the main things we touched on a little earlier in terms of the whole um, having the clarity with the branding first before moving on to the marketing. So I think a lot of businesses, big and small, make that mistake, moving to the marketing and not having the fundamentals right. And um, I think bigger businesses generally, you know, do have that extra budget to spend on marketing. So that issue does present itself sooner. Um so that's definitely something that we see in big and small. And I do think the interesting thing is that all the experience we've had with building bigger brands is that the framework of the brand strategy has the same elements and it's fundamentally the same, whether it is a big or small business. So we've had all these learnings and been able, able to distill them into a framework and then make it accessible for smaller businesses because we're super passionate really about helping smaller businesses thrive. So, um, you know, we've taken that process but made it really accessible. And I do think, um, you know, in terms of the smaller businesses with smaller budgets, you know, it's maybe even more important to have those fundamentals right because, you know, you can't just be throwing pots of money at marketing and have it not be working for you. So you do need to be really effective in what you're doing. Yes, definitely. And it's also something that came to my head then is there's just so much less room to hide when you have a small business. Like you can't, yes. you know, if you make a mistake, you're really going to feel it and see it. You guys have also helped specialise in ways to help people running family businesses and actually I read an amazing statistic the other day that 70% of Australia's small business community are actually family-run businesses which is a huge number. What do you think are some of the considerations for people in these circumstances in terms of building their brand? Yeah no I mean that's that is really surprising isn't it you just don't realize that no. of Australia, uh, Australian businesses are family-run. So we love working with family businesses, you know, and for a few reasons. One is that they are so passionate about what they do and being around people in business that are that passionate is super inspiring. Um, uh, a second reason is because a family business, they tend to be quite nimble. So when you do need to shift or make changes, uh, then they can do it quite quickly and uh, you don't have that kind of layer of bureaucracy you have to get through for that decision-making process. So, again, it's quite exciting to work in the family business space for that reason. But lastly, it's because of their long-term view. They don't have shareholders that they have to answer to who want the quick buck, who want their dividends. 
So they can invest in brand for the long term. And this is where when working with um, family business brands, we need to be really mindful in what we're helping them do in terms of setting up their brand strategy and the plan for the years ahead, that we are also taking that long-term view to build something that continuously grows um, consistently and at a, at a really nice pace. Uh, and also one of the other um, considerations in terms of working with family business is the intergenerational relationships. Mm, so gonna, sometimes yeah. <laughs> there's a bit of friction. Yeah. Yeah, so there can be some, you know, sometimes healthy friction, a healthy conflict between uh, generations, sometimes not so healthy. Uh, and so it's around that stakeholder management piece. So what we do is uh, we help people we make sure first of all we give everyone a voice and make sure they're heard but from there what we do is get everyone aligned so that um, they're all in agreement in terms of the path we're taking uh, you know where we're going with the brand for the future so that it does end up being happy families and uh, yes but it is a big consideration in, in working with family business. Mm, fascinating so we, we spoke at the beginning of the um, interview about the fact that you guys run your own business as a partnership what do you think is really essential to making that kind of dynamic work for you? Obviously, you've done it for a number of years now. So what, what's the secret here? Why is it successful for you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so important, obviously, to get it right because if you don't have the right partner, then obviously it can, well, basically be a bit catastrophic. But I think the, the key things to get it right are, firstly, work ethic. So Em and I are both insanely hard workers, so we – we never have that doubt that the other isn't pulling their weight. And I think if you didn't have alignment there, it could definitely cause tension. Mm. Um, the other one is values. So you need value alignment because, you know, I guess there's pros and cons with everything. So obviously in a partnership, you know, you're making decisions together, but if you've got the same values and you know, you're on the same path then it makes that process way easier. And then I think the last thing is really having complementary skill sets. So, you know, with us and with lots of the businesses we talk um, to and help, like you need to gel, but you do need to have different strengths that you can sort of complement each other with. So I think those things are a good recipe for success. <laughs> and I guess those having those things in place means it's easier to set sort of healthy boundaries with each other too in terms of when you stop talking about work and when you start talking about work. Yeah, that does. We talk about work all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need to work on that one. <laughs> we love it though. And um, But actually another thing I want to mention there is, you know, a partnership is, is kind of like a marriage. Yeah. So you have, to, you have to have patience um, and you have to come into situations with real kindness and real generosity. So you're not always going to see eye to eye. But if you, if you come to the table with, with kindness and generosity, then I think you can pretty much get through anything. So true. Very wise words. <laughs> so you guys mostly working at the moment with women entrepreneurs. Mm. This is an area I'm really passionate about too. We have 60% of our flying solo community are women business owners, which is an awesome number. And they're actually the biggest growing demographic in the small business space in Australia too. So that's only good news. Wow. But I'm just wondering, do you think, there are particular personality attributes in women entrepreneurs or business ideas that are most likely to succeed? Like, yeah. is it possible to speak in those terms? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm going to start firstly with the business ideas. We've got a three-pillar framework that we use for assessing ideas, which I think would be really helpful for your audience. 
Um, number one is looking at the zeitgeist or, you know, tapping into global trends. What's popular out there? What are people buying? What are people investing in? And uh, making sure that your idea kind of fits within that space. So, for example, at the moment, big topics of things like sustainability, you know, eco-living, healthy living, and also self-empowerment as well is really big. And you just kind of look at, you can do it, you know, there's a lot of work you can do, through, you know, searching through Google to find out, you know, what, um, what industries are growth sectors. Uh, secondly, the second pillar is around being absolutely authentically passionate about something. You know, you need to feel it in your soul that this is something that you want to do, that you can be really good at. You could potentially be the best in the world at. Uh, you need to have that passion. It can't just be about the money piece. Yeah. And lastly, um, you need to make sure that whatever you're doing, whatever your idea is, it's solving a problem for your target audience. So you could have the best product or service in the world that you believe is in the world, but if people don't want it or don't need it, then it's just going to be a, you know, a lot of heartache yeah. for you down the track. So if you can kind of tick the box on those three things, then um, you may just well have, have a very good idea. Yeah, such an important point, that one. And that's, that's a hard one too because when you do have a good idea, it probably is a good idea. <laughs> Whether you can sell yes. it or not, that's going to make the difference. So my last yeah. question then is there's, there's so much obviously to speak with you guys about and I would like you to give a bit of a plug for your course at, um, at the end too. But the last question I had was I'm assuming that everyone listening to this is getting very inspired and, you know, the new year is upon us quickly. What's a simple thing, just a one step in a way that our listeners can take away to action right now that you think will have a, an impact on their brand power? I, I think with brand, obviously, you know, you need that real clarity, but let's assume you do have that clarity, you, you know, you know your purpose, you know your audience and your values, you've got that figured out. Then I think something that can be really powerful is collaboration. So you know, you need to be brave, sit down, write a list, you know, write down a hundred brands that are aligned with your brand and have the same audience and go for some that, are, you know, may have much bigger audiences and start reaching out to one brand every day about doing a collaboration because it's really a numbers game and it might take a while to get that yes, but it's a real shortcut to growth that can be super powerful. That's a great tip. And that's something also that's become increasingly popular this year I've noticed that idea of partnership and collaboration which is such a gift yeah which is really nice yeah, yeah such a gift from this year okay it's been amazing to speak with you guys today and I just wanted to give you a chance to sort of plug the course that you're running um, for anyone who's keen to really give their brand a bit of a kickstart for next year did you want to talk us through what it is and how to sign up yeah absolutely so uh as i mentioned you know we've taken all our ip and learnings from working with big brands oh, for nearly 20 years now and um we've put it into a online course it's called how to build a rockstar brand and it's on our uh, thebrandbrigade.com website and it's what it is it's a 13 module course taking you step by step through how to build your own rockstar brand, setting that framework, that structure up for success for you. And the great thing about it is that you can work through the course at your own pace. You can do it really quickly if you've got the time or you can, you know, uh, stretch it out, you know, do a module a week 
until you finished it. And um, and we also are on live, uh, Zoom live once a week for you to be able to tap into us, ask us questions. So you're not on your own doing this course and we can you know, help guide you through it as well. Brilliant. Sounds amazing. Everyone needs to go and check that out. Um, Emma and Jody, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you. It's been amazing. So nice to chat to you, Lucy. Thank you for having us.